It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, this is Ken Reed from Sportsnet, and you are listening to Tobin tonight. I grew up here in the East Coast in Newfoundland. You are from Nova Scotia originally, correct? Mm-hmm, correct. Picto, Nova Scotia. Picto, Nova Scotia. Okay, tell me a little bit about your childhood growing up, because I'm assuming there's going to be a little bit of East Coast ties. We're oh, yeah. from the Atlantic. So, you know, if I asked you stuff like, what are you at? Would you know yeah. what I'm talking about? <laughs> of course. I'm doing all right, Bob. I'm just sitting here in my office in uh, Toronto. So there you go. So tell me a little bit about that, like, because again, I, I'm a sensing that's it, like a small town community. Yeah, Pecto's what's going on, right? Okay. You're what he at, and I'm what's going on, boys. That's <laughs> Pecto. So yeah, small town, awesome. For those people who don't know where Pecto is, it's an hour and a half northeast of Halifax. It's where you take the ferry to Prince Edward Island. I had honestly one of the, I had the best childhood you could imagine. I was very lucky. Uh, my town was infested with tons of kids my age it was road hockey it was baseball it was golf it was junior c hockey on saturday nights and friday night skating and hockey cards it was it was everything you could imagine pre-internet was a beautiful world put it that way i i I agree and uh, i was going to actually bring up a little bit about that hockey cards because i know that you have two books out about hockey Mm -hmm. cards so i'm assuming like to someone like myself i've got a book here but like you know i'll show it to you but it's a little bit dated this is a This is my kind of hockey card collection. Nice, I think nice. I stopped in like 2008. So some yeah. of these cards are like passed down from my brothers and whatnot. So there's, there's names in there that like, I, I know them now, but you know, as an eight-year-old hearing Tony Amante, you were like, I don't want a Tony Amante card. Like, come on. Sure. And then yeah. when you get older, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm so glad you gave me that card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was my hockey education, right? When I grew up, there was one NHL game on a week. It was Saturday night. It was the Hockey Night in Canada game. And it started at eight o'clock back home. And otherwise you knew the guy's faces from hockey cards and hockey magazines. And when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, 25 cents for a pack of cards is a lot easier than three fifty for a magazine. So I devoured the things. I, I wanted to know what the guys looked like. I wanted to know what the, their stats on the back. Uh, the biggest mysteries to me is when I'd see a guy on TV and I didn't know who he was because he didn't have a hockey card because back then not everyone would get them. Right. I mean, there'd be 10, 12 cards a team, but uh, it was a great way to, to get into the game and, and to, to appreciate the game. And, and it was, it was the cl- growing up a 12, 14 hour drive from Montreal, the closest rink, having a card of, you know, Guy Lafleur in your hand was the closest you could get to the National Hockey League. I'm, I'm sure it was the, the same way in Newfoundland for kids of my generation. Yeah, it's an interesting story because I like how you bring up about, again, hockey cards and you have interesting stories like for each kind of hockey card you collect. I, I think now I read now, you know, some things get exaggerated, but this wasn't coming from Donald Trump. So I assume that this is pretty accurate. Well, there's, um, there's, there's exaggeration and then there's outright <laughs> lying, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think I read that you had like, it was either 5,000 or 50,000 about cards. Yeah, I, I probably got about 50,000 cards now at least, um, so baseball where, and hockey. Where do you put um, them all? <laughs> uh, that's what my wife says. 
Yeah. Uh, it's funny, you know. Uh, let's see. I, as a as a kid, they were just basically everywhere in my room. Uh, then they stayed in my dad's basement for a long time. Now that I've got, you know, now that I'm a man and I have yeah. my own room and stuff, uh, I got a room at the house where they, instead of uh, sheets and linen in one of our giant closets, it's pretty much all hockey cards. So that's where they go. You'd be surprised how many you can jam into a closet. Uh, you get the 3,200 count boxes, the 5,000 count boxes. They they fit rather neatly, but it still drives my wife crazy. I mean, um, some people have dust particles all over their houses. I have hockey cards. Just like you'll never know where you'll see a hockey or baseball card at my house. Kind oh, of wow. My wife nuts, but she's cool about it. Like she, she's smart enough to know that uh, it's a pretty good hobby or vice for a husband to have. You know, I'm not down at the bar drinking all hours of the night anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just hanging out with my hockey cards, not smoking darts, just looking at my hockey cards, you know, not gambling too much, just looking at my hockey cards. So it's it's not the worst hobby a man can have, I don't think. I feel like it's it's a safer bet if you got a call, like your wife got a call and was like, Kenny's down there arguing with someone at the bar about hockey cards. She's like, not not a concern. Not and then, a concern. You know, it's another one, but it's like, Kenny's down at the bar fighting someone yeah. about hockey cards. And yeah. it's like, okay, Kenny, we need an intervention. <laughs> right, Kenny's on the VLT with his hockey cards fighting the guy yeah it's fine she's and you know what i uh it, it's funny too because my wife and i work separate hours she works days i work nights so um you know our time is uh together is basically on the weekend so during the week you know if i'm not golfing you know i might be watching something or i might be flipping through some cards and things like that i just enjoy them they're just now i mean when i was a kid they were a way to connect me to this far off game now as an adult, they're a way to connect me to my far off childhood. I'm yeah. not the most mature guy in the world. And I have no qualms about saying, take your time to grow up. Um, you know, I pay the bills. I got automatic debit. The, bill, the bills come out. The heating bill comes out. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I have insurance, apparently. I don't really know how that works. But I have my ducks in an order. And I, and I, I like trying to, you know, have fun. And I think that's lost on a lot of adults these days maybe lost on a lot of people in my industry. Just have fun, man. And uh, the cards for me are and are, are pretty innocent fun. And uh, I got two books out of them, so I made a few bucks off them too. So there you go. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I like that you have a, a, another book about, I believe it's like One Night Only. It's just mm -hmm. like the people that mm -hmm. just got to the end. Like, I, I want to ask you, because I think these are original ideas, because, you know, there's a lot of sportscasters that will write books about stories of like, who they interviewed or years later coming out of, this is my first interview with say Wayne Gretzky. Sure. This is how it goes. Um, sure. So what kind of gave you that idea to write a book on well, that? I didn't want to write a book on myself because I'm far enough. I'm not interesting <laughs> enough. It's not like I'm Ron McLean or I'm, I'm a big wheel. I'm just some dude. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm third line right winger. I'm up and down the wing, pucks in deep, nothing fancy. But I always wanted to write a hockey book. My brother and I, my brother Peter and I devoured hockey books as a kid. Devoured a lot of baseball books too. And when I got to Sportsnet, uh, I had a platform. Like, you know, you're a national anchor all of a sudden before I'd, I'd worked in local news. And I had a platform, so my name was somewhat, somewhat known. And I had an idea and uh, the idea clicked with a publisher. And it worked. Then it clicked with, with readers, which was amazing. Um, uh, so I, I really enjoyed writing and for me, I enjoyed it because I just got to pick the brains of people I wanted to pick and I had an excuse. Like if you randomly go up to, oh, let's say Eric Lindros on the street and you go, Eric, tell me about your rookie cards. 
that's kind of strange. But if yeah. I just call Eric on the phone and, hey, Eric, it's Ken Reed from Sportsnet. Could I ask you a few questions about this? Sure, that's fine. All the guys are very cooperative. Yeah. So I've got an in to do that. So it sounds weird and it sounds selfish, but I kind of did it for me. And I was hoping, I think it's kind of the, the same way people write music, right? I think they write for themselves and they hope that it, it catches on with other people and other people can share that experience. And for me, that's what writing was. So I, I did the first Hockey Card Stories book. Then I did one night only about the guys who played a single game. Then I did uh, a book with Dennis Marouk, a guy who I loved as a kid who became a good buddy. Then I did the other Hockey Card Stories book. Then I did the Eddie Shack book, which was a total trip. And now I, got, I have a new book out this year called One to Remember. It's kind of an extension on One Night Only. One Night Only was about guys who played a single game. One to Remember, it's about 39 guys who scored a single National Hockey League goal. One, no more, no less. So what okay. does that one goal mean? Where does that fit in your journey? Um, and it's funny because, you know, on the, on the hockey DB page, it's, it's one goal and you kind of flick off uh, on, you go to another guy's page. But when you, when you interview these guys and you, you talk to them, there's a lot that goes into, into one goal. I talked to a guy who got, was career in because he had a plate in his head and he became a scientist. Another guy became an orthopedic surgeon. Another guy was stabbed in his leg like oh, a wow. week after stabbed, not with a skate plate, with a knife, a week after he got his goal. That led to all kinds of stuff. One of the Hanson brothers, some slap shots in there. So it was, it was nuts. It was, it, and it was so much fun. And again, I did it, and I came up with the one goal concept because I'm a wannabe player, um, and I don't, I don't let that go. A lot of people my age kind of move on, but I, I cherish that uh, kid within who still wants to score that one goal in the NHL. So I wanted to call up these guys and say, what was it like to get that one goal in the NHL? So. Got a book out of it somehow. Yeah, like, see, so kind of relating that, it's like when you mentioned about people just get the one goal and they give you, like, a, a great story and just kind of always want, like, to me, I think I got into hockey maybe at 16. So it's, like, around, like, Curtis Joseph's age. And Curtis Joseph did well because he ended up, you know, becoming a goalie. But yeah. I, I remember wanting to be a goalie first. And then when I got out on the ice with my street hockey pads on, brother just – you know, ripping them at you. You're like, all right, so I don't really know how to skate. This isn't going to go well. Uh, yeah, so let's, I got to know how to skate to yeah, goalie. Yeah, so I was like, let's try playing out. And then uh, I had an interest and we were just, it was like, it's just a scrimmage. And I scored a goal and like, it's scrimmage. No one's really there. Maybe a few of your buddies just want to see how you do. And I'm there like mm -hmm. doing almost like a yakapop down the ice and it's only one sure. nothing. But like 20 seconds sure. into a game, you're just like, Woo! <laughs> and then they're like, right. So imagine having that moment on the in the biggest league in the world, right? Exactly. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that that's what, that's cool, Brian, because even by you scoring in shinny, in a way, you're linked to that guy who scores in the NHL. In a way, you're linked yeah. to Wayne Gretzky and his 894 goals, because yeah. you still know that feeling. You know, yeah. we don't we don't really know the feeling of doing it at that level, but no, you know, no. the feeling of when, you know, you, you the twine moves or you get the puck past the goal line, it feels good. Yeah. And it's, it's like to bring it also with the soccer background there. I know when we were playing intramurals at like Carlton, um, like I, I, I'm not a big scorer. I just don't like to score a lot. It's more of a passer. Cause I know there's other guys in the team that can do that. Um, yeah. So I just kind of just gave one on that and it made like a curve. And then someone was like, that's like, <laughs> That's like a Sportsnet Central moment. I was just like, yeah, Ben like Beckham, eh? Yeah, we're like, where's the camera? Yeah. How come no one recorded that? Hey, hey, that's the beauty about sports, man. Is you can 
all, even us plugs can have that one magical moment. That's why I love golf too, because any day, given day in golf, you or I can make a shot that Tiger Woods couldn't make at a certain hole at a certain time. Now, the odds of that are probably a billion to one in Tiger's favor, but there's always that one shot in golf that keeps you coming back. I had a shot the other day I had no business making, but I'm like, that was pretty good. And then I'm like, well, the 84 other ones weren't that good, but yeah, yeah. you can have that one little moment. That's, that's all you need, right? Yeah. It's, it's funny because like you, you, when you're mentioning these stories, like, you know, there's people that are very humble about it, but I feel like there are ones that are like, that is their career highlight and, and to each their own. That is basically like, you know, they know this is their peak moment. They'll go on about it forever. Um, and that's how I feel sometimes with sports. Like if I, if I was really good at a certain sport, I would not care about a goal that I scored like five years ago, but because maybe right. that's like the one goal that you're, you're ever going to get every time you see it, but you're like, yeah, like, yeah, it's five years ago, but that goal was sick and you said it. Yeah. So it, it counts. And then like, let well, it go. You're like, no, this is it. <laughs> well, that's funny. Cause I had that same opinion on the guys who scored the one AHL goal. And I'm like, do you ever talk about it? Does it ever come up? And they, to a man, all of them are like, nah, it doesn't come up. It's yeah, like, they're I, proud of it. Yeah. And I said to them, yeah. If I okay, scored a goal in the NHL, I'd have a T-shirt that said, I scored a goal in the NHL. No, yeah. no, 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 it's not like that. But, you know, some of them have the puck up in their basement, in their man room, or in the background like you have there. Yeah. Um, others, it never comes up. Some guys, it comes up sometimes. It's just, it's it's kind of just, it's it's a great accomplishment, and it's a thing. Uh, some of them are, but it's but it's a, it's a, to me, one goal in the NHL is something that it almost represents – I guess the easy way to look at it is the culmination of a journey, but there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. But the there's one like goal a, is there's a backstory. The book. Yeah, there's right. like a backstory. The backstory, and a lot, and a lot of guys too. That's a launching pad for other stories, which is kind of yeah. cool because you think that'd be the end of the journey, but it kind of morphs into another journey. Which is so, so I thought that was really cool. What just one goal can mean to to a person. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, it, it's funny when you were mentioning like a course, like when you have like the memorabilia and stuff, and like you're looking in the background. Like I think I got like a 2002 um, Team Canada poster there. Yeah. But my neighbor actually, when I was first getting into hockey, gave me a puck with like my Detroit Red Wings jersey and everything on it, and then like on the back, age 12, center, and I held on to that for the like the longest time. I'm like. Like this, this is it. Like when people get pictures of their puck of like Austin Matthews with four goals, I was like, sure, this is my puck. And like, now I have it in my closet. Cause I, if someone sees it, they're like, Oh, that's silly. I'm just like, it's not silly. It's yeah. Funny. Well, that's just like some of the guys that, that scored the single goal. One of the guys, uh, he's like, yeah, the puck's in my backyard somewhere in a swamp. He goes, I was playing, <laughs> uh, playing shinny with my kid. The only puck I had was the puck for my one NHL goal. We, Oh, that's played sad. with it and shot it and it went in there we couldn't find it and he was like yeah whatever Some oh, really? things, it's like anybody's life right some picture can mean the most to you ever when you're 12 years old and when you're 36 it's in the bottom of a cupboard right yeah so that's just an nhl goal puck believe it or not for some people is no different yeah i, I guess like it to each their own um absolutely i, I want to kind of mention because you were talking about getting this platform and then that's you did these books kind of and I'm not going to put it in a selfish way. So don't make it, I hope it doesn't sound that way, but like you said to do it for you, for your interest, mm -hmm. for your stories. Yeah. Um, so like, tell me, take me through your career of how did you get from basically no small town, Nova Scotia yeah. to sports now? So, I mean, I, I guess I did it in a way that you can't really do it anymore. So I got my degree in journalism and then I started market hopping. That means I'm going from one town to the other, working my way up. These days, there's so little local sports news on, on TV. 
it's hard to do, but what I did was I started at uh, Access Cable 10, Channel 10 in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. For anybody in, in Halifax, Dartmouth area, you'll know where that is. So I started as a volunteer doing play-by-play -play of the Dartmouth Olin Exports. Now, that's uh, Jim Bottomley's old junior A team. They mostly played out of Halifax, but for a few years they played in Dartmouth. So I was their play-by-play -play guy on Channel 10. And then I'd, I'd host the odd Halifax Mooseheads playoff game on Channel 10 Halifax. And then uh, the Dartmouth station had a community news program that they hired three reporters for. So I got one of those gigs. So I stayed in Dartmouth for about two and a half, actually two years and two months. I know the exact amount. Then I moved to Calgary without nothing. My mother was moving there. I started as a writer on their morning news program. So I had to be at work at 4 a.m. I worked 4 a.m. to 9 a.m for a whopping 10 bucks an hour. Uh, bringing, in the, bringing in the cash, bringing in the Yeah, money. but paying the dues. <laughs> no stamps either, bud. And uh, then, I, uh, then I got promoted to full-time writer. From there, I got promoted to videographer, which was a one-man band shooting your own news stories. So I was a go-getter. So I went up to the sports guys and there was a three-person sports department. They were always complaining that when one of them would go on vacation, the other two would have to work more to fill the, fill yeah. the holes. So I said, well, can I do the sports on the weekend when someone goes on vacation? And yeah, they're pumped. So suddenly yeah. I'm doing sports once in a while. So then the sports job opens up. So I get that almost by default. So I'm the weekend sports guy in Calgary covering the flames, loving life. Like I'm in a, an impressed box of the National Hockey League at 26 years old. It's awesome. My buddy Colin White's playing for the Devils. My buddy Johnny Sims playing for Dallas. Two guys from Pickett County. And uh, then I worked my way to weeknight sports anchor from there. I did this, went to move to Ottawa, did the same gig from there, moved to Edmonton, the CTV Edmonton for three years from there, followed my wife to, um, to Toronto, quit my job in Edmonton, had no job when I moved to Toronto and quit at the height of the 2008 recession, which was crazy. My dad thought I was nuts. <laughs> got, in, got in volunteering at CP24 and uh, field producing at another sports network. Got on at another sports network uh, on a freelance basis. Worked at the NHL network on a freelance basis and made a call here one day. And five days later, a week or so later, I had a, I had a deal. And I've been at Sportsnet since, uh, geez, May 2011. So it's been, a, it's been a good ride. I love it here. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like when you say that, like when you tell about the journey of going from basically from Nova Scotia, like pretty much all over the map, like it kind of helps um, – even though you don't know it at the time, it kind of helped build like your reputation or brand because if someone does, sees yeah. you at Sportsnet now and they're like looking going, okay, like, geez, I remember him here in Halifax. And then there yeah. could be someone else out in Edmonton that goes like, hey, come here, honey. Isn't that the guy that was yeah. doing this thing? And then you're just still, like, it, you become nationally known that way. Um, but like, well, I what, I, what I like out of it too is when, when, some, when we're debating a story, I'll say, look, that doesn't matter to people in Calgary. That doesn't matter to people down east. It's not yeah. just about Toronto. Yeah. Because, we, you know, people always accuse national networks of having a Toronto bias. So I'm proud to say that I'm not from here. I live here now. I love it here. <laughs> but I'm a Nova Scotia boy. But I've done my time in Alberta twice. So I kind of think I have a feel for it. So I, I like having that voice, having that, uh, that voice in the newsroom. Ralph Mellonby, who used to run Hockey Night in Canada, back in the day, always thought it was important to have guys from every part of the country. So Bob Cole was from Newfoundland. You know, like he he could tell you what people in Newfoundland want. So I, I'm proud to, to kind of give, you know, a little maritime representation here with maybe a little West Coast flavor too. 
Yeah, it's funny that you, like when you mentioned about getting all kinds of flavors and like all different kind of people from different provinces, because we had George Dropolopoulos on not that long ago, and I was making the joke at him of CBC and how um, it seems to be like a lot of Newfoundlanders at CBC. And he made the joke of saying like, yeah, it's almost like CBC is in Toronto, but it's almost like if you're from Toronto, we're not hiring you. And I was like, yeah, oh, it's, so, yeah. it's so backwards because as a Newfoundlander, trying to kind of crack in the industry, I'm always finding it like the opposite where it's like, if you apply for these jobs at like CBC Toronto, um, like Sportsnet, Sport or like TSM, whatever. And you're like, how am I competing with a kid from Ryerson that literally grew up watching the Leafs? I'm here yeah. in Newfoundland and they're going to be yeah. like, you're all the way out on the East Coast. Like, yeah. how do you know? And I'm just like, well, geez, like I have TV. <laughs> I got TV, man. Yeah. You know, we had TV in Picto too. Yeah. yeah. I found it was easier to get hired in Toronto uh, when I was here, just physically here, right? Because yes. let's be honest, the company doesn't have to pay your moving expenses. It's easy. You can start the next day. It's just easier, right? It's like it's yeah. like any industry, right? If you're in the town, it's easier to get the gig. Yeah. But um, I I mean I'm I'm probably like I'm beyond proud from being from Nova Scotia to the point it probably annoys the living hell out of a lot of people. But <laughs> so I am, right? I don't have any tattoos, so I'll brag about it with, with my words. So that's how I kind of roll. Do you but ever yeah, it, it took me a while to get to Toronto. Like, I mean, I, I didn't get a full-time gig at a national, um, national, I guess, sports network until I was, you know, mid-30s. So then, then there's like a boy wonder like Kyle Bukaskis, who's like the world's greatest kid, world's greatest reporter. We had to put him on the air at 19. He was so good. He was so good, but I uh, I was so immature at that age. I couldn't have done what he did. So everything happens for a reason. Everything I believe everything happens when it's supposed to happen. So for and, me, and, I think I got here at the right time. And I think sometimes it comes with like a little bit of your skill and luck because I believe in Kyle's case. Now again, I I don't want to put words out there or make it sound like wrong because this is not researched here. But like I remember when I was at Loyalist and doing a little bit of research. At that extent, it was like at that time, Sportsnet was looking like they were getting the hockey rights. Uh, I believe the teacher that was teaching Kyle, like kind of put in a good word for him at Rogers because there was like some relationship there. And, you know, again, he knows he's craft, but like that's kind of helped. I can tell you that the first days in the newsroom, I'm like, who's this kid in the suit? I'm going to talk to this kid. He <laughs> yeah. dressed for the job he wanted. He was so yeah. polite, still so polite. He's such a nice guy and he's so damn good. And I know our old boss said I had, you know, he looked young, but I had to put him on and he's so good. He's so polished. He's such a nice young guy and he deserves everything he has. I'm so proud of him. Like, I, I look at him like I'm his, I don't know, older uncle or something like that. But he's a, he's a, he's a great kid. And the first time I did a hockey night in Canada game, I've only, I think I've only done one, but it was a springside reporter in Montreal. I called Kyle to help me. Like, what do I do? Kyle, and he was so kind. So I, I'm super proud of people like that. Like, it's like, it's like when you give him a call on the phone, it's just to like, it's like, uncle Kenny here. I need your help. <laughs> uncle Kenny needs help. Yeah. Yeah. Uncle but Kenny he, I'm super proud of him. Yeah. He's awesome. He's, he's so good. Like I watch, I, I, and a rat, like a rash Madani from Furl, right? A rash is yeah. from Furl. He's so, good. so, uh, you know, blessed to work with a lot of talented people. And, and then you, like when I was a kid and I'd see people, national sports reporters, I would say, what are, what are they like? What are they like? And I've discovered everyone's, everyone's just some dude. Everyone's who they are. So you, you cheer for good dudes and good ladies. No different. 
It sounds like it's like in my mind when you're taught when you mentioned about calling up uh, Kyle for help. I, I'm just imagining in my mind like I grew up with like 80s and 90s sitcoms, so I can just imagine like the phone call being like a, a Danny Tanner and a oh or, yeah. yeah and an Uncle, Uncle Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is like yeah. you got this. Don't let them tell yeah. you any other. And then the music. That's all it was. Oh. That's all it was. Yeah, that's all it was. It was total, total 80s, 90s sitcom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah it Just was funny. The music comes in the background. It's like, I love you too, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, was uh, cool. he was cool. But, like, the other thing I want to mention, of course, about the East Coast, because um, now when you're hosting with, like, you know, Ivanka, um, are there times that you will say something and you know, just your modern slang when you go to a highlight and then, you know, when they go to break, she's like, what was that? Like, what happened there? <laughs> with Ivanka, no. She totally gets me now, right? We're yeah. like with some buddies. We've been together for nine years. So she came to the Picto Lobster panel. She's been okay. to my mom's house in Picto, cracking lobsters. She gets it now. Yeah. I think, yeah, I mean, I say stuff with other anchors. And like, I, I, I'm also one of our older guys, right? So I'll make yeah. a WKRP reference. They won't know what the hell I'm talking about, but then I'll reiterate on the air what I'm talking about. But um, I think I probably go off script more than anybody on our desk, which is just the way I am. Yeah. It's more fun that way. Um, Ivanka and I never rehearse. It's just, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, it's spontaneous. We we literally get the highlights cold, which means, uh, so we're on at 10 o'clock local time here. So all the games are still going or, or just wrapping up. So the highlights are literally printed off and you read them and rip them and read them. And it's fun. It's, it's very spontaneous. It's got a nice live element to them. But no, Ivanka is a big Picto fan, man. She knows, uh, she knows all the boys down there, all the guys, all the girls, loves my mom. Came with the Picto Lobster Carnival, so she, she totally gets it. But what I always ask her is, I don't know if I have a maritime accent or not. I assume I do. People tell me I do, but I don't think I do. But I think most people from home don't think they have one, but they do. So I guess I fall into that category. It, it's it's funny because when you're talking about like the accent, it's like I'll have people because where I've spent my university days at Ottawa, and my story is the first day I go into a big lecture hall, 300 students. I was just walking the hallways, being you know friendly, chirpy. What are you at? Yeah. Like they look at you like, and I'm, and I'm like, it means what's up. They're like, I'm going to class. I'm like, that's not no. And then yeah. you get in the lecture hall. And I think I said to a professor, which luckily was from Nova Scotia. Um, yeah. I said like, uh, what does this all mean? Like, what are you, what are you at with this? Like what's on to go? Yeah. And then I said, yeah, like, yeah. Miss, and I said, Mrs. Got her hand in the front raised. And then this poor student that was like exchanged, maybe came over from, <laughs> I don't know, just say Korea or China. Just, just And then she, she's like, she raised her hand. She's like, yeah, I understand everything that you're saying, but that student in the back, what does Mrs. mean? And then I was like, 300 students just turn around looking at you as if to go, yeah. teacher, you're from Newfoundland, aren't you? And I was like, exit, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember in, uh, in when I was in Calgary and I was a videographer, I had to do a story on some baby marmots at the Calgary Zoo and the story airs and everybody in the newsroom is in tears. I'm like, what? And like, say marmot. I'm like, marmot. I still had my maritime accent was still pretty, really strong. Marmot. So everyone thought, thought it was hilarious. I was saying marmot. So I, look, put a couple uh, schoon dogs in me when I'm back home in Pickett County, it really comes out. But, uh, you know, for the most part, I'm fine with it. It, it. You are who you are, right? It's it's funny just to like kind of learn things on the fly because it's like I'm sure when you're like that story about the marmot there it's like you know when I was doing traffic I was pronouncing I think it's like a highway in Toronto and 
whatever way I was saying it, I was going like highway 613. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, you mean 613? I'm like, what, what was wrong with how I was saying it? 600. And they're like, no. Right. And right. there's a street that on the university where Carlton's too, it's called Colonel by, but it's spelled yeah. colonial. So hey, I, was, yeah. I was telling people I am lost. Can you show me where colonial by is? And they'd be like, yeah, where are you from? I'm like, yep. Newfoundland. They're like, you get a pass, but don't ever yep. call it colonial by again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's funny too, because traffic and weather, right? That's the ultimate sensitive gig, right? You have to have all the pronunciations down. Yeah. Right for that. Oh my God, mispronounce a hockey name or a football name or a basketball or a baseball name on TV. The, the old tweets come in and it's like, look, there's yeah. 2,500 guys between all four <laughs> leagues. I'm doing my best. Yeah. You know, I really am. But if this guy just got called up and so yeah, you take your lumps. But it's not even like the names are not as simple anymore, right? Like it's like because it's no. so, it's like diversity, which is great, but it's like, you know, it's almost like the Canadian soccer player like from out out west, like I'm not even gonna make the attempt to say Alfonso Davies. There you go. Like that's like go. for the longest time I would just stumble across it. Like last name, easy. First name, but like when you're on trying to get a highlight out and you're like Alfonso Avunzo, and you're like, where am I from? Why did it I happens. just say it? Yeah. It happens. It happens. It happens. But all you do is you laugh at yourself and you move on. Uh, I was working at the NHL Network, doing a gig once, doing NHL on the fly. And it's just madness. It's six hours of live TV. And I was working with Craig Button. And I screwed up and I was mad. <laughs> Craig said, did you make a mistake? I said, yeah. He goes, you feel, is it done? I said, yeah. He goes, move on I, that's kind of stuck with me did no did you make a mistake yeah did you mean to no then move on and that's really stuck with me yeah craig button wonderful human being but yeah craig, I, I i like craig button we've had him on a few times but there are certain times that i i feel like with craig you'll he'll give you some like outrageous take and you're like craig but what and he's like no 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 and i'm like okay well you're the guy that's in the nhl and i'm just hey, this guy so he was the gm i'm just some <laughs> dude yeah, he was I'm, the GM of the Flames when I was there. Oh, wow. He was okay. a, yeah, super guy. And then one night at the NHL Network, I showed up and he was my co-host. I, he actually, I think he remembered who I was, which I was kind of honored by. But mm -hmm. yeah, he's a very, he's such a wonderful man. Just a nice, nice man. I have all the time in the world for him. Yeah, like the other thing that um, I, I think is interesting with Sportsnet now with, you know, we've got a... The, the way that the, the world is now with COVID, you've got NHL pretty much in September, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but I love that there's BXA now on your panel and you've yeah, got Captain Brian Burke. And like, yeah, BXA to me is, because I, I, I don't want to come across saying it one, like on an interview one way and then something else completely different. But there are times I'm like, BXA, like, okay, it sounds like you're getting a little bit of friction. Cause I remember the other night where it was like him and Cassie Campbell were like almost getting into it. And then like Ron McClain. Yeah, but do you, do you want everybody agreeing on everything? I oh no, so. no, but that's it was what just, makes it awesome. Right. It, it was just funny because I was like, Oh my God, are they about to actually like, are the no. cameras about to go off? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not the personal. I, I love that. I mean, yeah. uh, the worst radio in the world is just two people agreeing with one another. Right. You want a little something, something. Oh, you but don't want to hear my—you don't yeah. want to hear my old podcast where it's just two guys agree. It's like, how's yeah. that? Like, That'd the be, suck. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, okay, next That'd be a good name for a podcast: two guys who agree. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, ratings but, would go. The ratings would go down. <laughs> yeah, as uh, as somebody who worked on uh, with Bob McCowan, I can tell you when two guys agreeing is boring. So Bob was great that way. Yeah. It, now I want to kind of tie it all back here with when we were talking earlier about your your hockey cards. Um, 
I was actually, when I was planning to do the, the stream here, I was actually going to come up with a whole bunch of Pokemon cards because that's originally what I collected. Then I realized oh, Pokemon geez. cards don't have a lot of value. <laughs> um, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know. I thought <laughs> you were going to haul out an Alex Faulkner card or something for me. Oh, man, if, if I had one, like, yeah. seriously. But I had you... doubles. I have a good buddy of mine a collector down in Newfoundland, and I had doubles. He's like, I can't get one. I was like, he, he always makes me. He made a card of my son, so I was like, fair trade. So I yeah. Traded the Faulkner for that, so it was it was sweet. It's it's a that is one of my coolest. That's one of the best hockey card stories out there. How there's one card of Alex Faulkner for those people who don't know, he's the first Newfoundlander to play in the NHL, and he played basically a season and a bit. It's sixty three, sixty four Parkers. It's worth around two hundred fifty bucks. And I was like, why is it worth so much? Because everybody in Newfoundland keeps buying them up. Yeah. I love that story. It's great. Yeah. I, I can imagine for like I guess someone in my like my generation like to get a Dan Cleary like you know either sure. a Stanley Cup card like sure. right now you're probably like oh okay whatever and then when you actually go down the road it's like oh wow like that card is worth a lot do you have it in your collection it's like no I don't but I, I geez I wish I did like well Alex Newhook will be the next one right you'll have to get those Alex Newhook rookies from Newfoundland yeah there'll be I'd say Alex Newhook Dawson Mercer will be another one I'm yeah. sure yeah uh, and so. They'll come in waves, but it's just funny how like very distinctive cards mean things to certain people. Like I'm sure yeah, exactly. in the hometown, if someone has it, like I know his mom definitely has every card ever that he's in. Yeah. But it'd be funny if someone like goes to the door, like please, can you trade me this card? She's like, get out of my lawn. Why? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, the other kind of funny story that I, I want to kind of get into or or kind of talk about here is you know when you're at Sportsnet getting all these different personalities, was there ever a time like with your, your first broadcast that you were like nervous or made a slip up or someone give you good advice like on your first day? I, my first one here was with Brad Fay. It was good. It went pretty well. Um, the, the thing is when you're the new guy at a station, like I, I got a big personality. I've always kind of had a big personality on TV. I've always been an idiot. If you went back and watched <laughs> my stuff from 1999 in Calgary, you know, I was a bit of an idiot. But with with uh, with TV, uh, I don't know where I read it, but I read this before. If you're the kind of guy that runs around a party with a lampshade on your head, when you go to the first party in your neighborhood, don't run around with the lampshade on your head right away. Gradually bring the lampshade out so that by six months, you're always running around the lampshade with your head, and people yeah. have accepted that. So that was kind of me here. I built up to, you know, to letting the lampshade go on my head. But uh, yeah, like I mean, Ivanka and I are bailing each other out all the time, right? Like, I'm notorious for not reading my emails at work. So she'll call me. She'll say, "We're on tonight." I'm like, "Well, I'm on the 14th hole," you know. <laughs> so she bails me out all the time. Um, we, uh, as I mentioned, our highlights are coming out cold all the time. So we're often, you know, grabbing scripts for one another, throwing them across the desk, things like that. But knock on uh, tabletop. I haven't had any really bad mistakes on Sportsnet. Um, some nights I maybe give it to some teams a little too hard. Yeah. Um, maybe I should calm her down just a bit. But uh, nothing, nothing I don't think cringeworthy. I'm sure some viewers hate me and think I suck and they cringe at me every night, but I don't know. Nothing, nothing too wild. I don't think. I hope not anyway. <laughs> nothing that I've gotten a reprimanded or a memo for. Put it that way. Exactly. I, I like though, like, 
it's funny because when you were mentioning about nothing too serious at the time, like, you know, sometimes with like these jobs that you have reading out sports highlights or, you know, even just being on TV itself, like, you know, there are people out there that will send you tweets Oh yeah. Emails. I mean, if they, if if they know your email, but like, you know, just like, I think some people watch to see if they know more than you or if you screw up and I got news for you. I will screw up. I'm going to screw up. Yeah. Not perfect. Haven't had a perfect day yet. I had close. I've had some very good days in my life, but um, yeah. And, and people, and so and social media really opens that. Like I've gotten some tweets after shows that are, they're just hilarious. Like people are just ripping into you. And there's one that's yeah. Well, it, it's me funny. and my producer still laugh about that. Well, I won't repeat here on yeah, your yeah, podcast. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny because in a sense, it's like as much as I kind of hate to put it this way, it's like social media makes it sometimes an even playing field. Like you know, in terms of male anchors and female anchors. Like I know female anchors probably get a lot worse on Twitter, but like uh, honestly, God, I can't imagine what they put up. But like I've seen some of it. It's yeah, brutal. But it's like, but Twitter also gives it to the males, but not as much, but just, I, I think we had Natasha Staszewski on uh, like a while mm-hmm. ago. And I, I bring it up because she gave me a really good quote of, I asked her like, when you as a woman get like these kind of hate comments and these tweets and then she's like, oh yeah, like most times it's not even about the sport. It's like literally like, no. what? what are you wearing that for? Like, who did your makeup? Yeah. And like, sometimes yeah. it does tear you apart, but there's other times that you're looking at me like, whoever's writing this is not necessarily your fan to begin with anyway. They're like- Consider the source, in. right? Yeah, like Consider they're tuning the in to basically rip you apart. So well, I've always said like, you know what? I get, I get nice tweets, I get bad tweets. I've never had anyone come up to me in person and say, you suck. I can't oh, stand well, you well, on Well, TV. Ken, face to face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. Finally, it's time. <laughs> yeah. So, so people, you know, social media is like that. People hide behind it, and that's fine if that's what somebody wants to do. But yeah, um, the females in our industry—it's not fair that he they take. Um, like Ivanka and I are really good friends. Like I, I'd say we went to Vegas together, but my wife and me and her wife yeah. and yeah. her went to Vegas together. I'm good friends with her husband. She's good friends with my wife. We get along. Um, it's awesome to to be friends with your co-anchor and Ivanka and I cut each other up, right? She'll make fun of me. I'll make fun of her. It's nothing personal. We just roll with it. And we have such a good time and it's spontaneous. And I'm very, very lucky to be able to do that. And if anybody ever, you know, said something rude to Ivanka and I could say something to their face about it, I would. It's yeah. like you stand up for your buddies, but no, it's social media is what it is. Um, I would garner that when I'm done with my career, I will probably take a hammer to my <laughs> Twitter and Instagram accounts because I don't need them. But you know what? It's 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 one of those things. It's a double-edged sword. It's it's awesome and it's not awesome at the same time. But I appreciate people reaching out. Like today, I, I just kind of tweeted out. Uh, there was a a video of a, a green at the U.S. Open and the greens rolling crazy. And I don't like the U.S. Open. I, yeah. So I just kind of tweeted out, I think the U.S. Open's become too gimmicky. Am I alone? And people were saying, yeah, you're right. And people were saying, no, you're wrong. And I was liking the comments, whether it was yes or no. And everyone that said they were, they were wrong, I liked it because no one said, you're a moron, Kenny. They just yeah. disagreed. And yeah. we're totally allowed to disagree. I think that's awesome that we disagree. If we agreed on everything, we'd be boring, right? Yeah. But I think sometimes, and it's funny with social media on, on our show, Oftentimes, 
you get the worst messages when the so so at Sportsnet we're lucky we have so many live events. So Sportsnet Central, my show always follows a live event. So if the Raptors lose and I come on, I open it up after the show and it's just you suck, you suck, you suck. If the Raptors win, there's nothing. Yeah. The Jays lose, you suck, you suck, you suck. Yeah. Jays win, there's nothing. Same like so fans almost take out their venom on them. Like don't shoot the messenger, right? They take out their venom on the messenger sometimes, which is fine. Yeah. I don't, you know, it comes with the territory. It's part of the gig. It's it's funny because like I I will outright say it because I don't want to be like a cover up here, but it's like you know I'll get on Twitter sometimes and like I've got my Tobin tonight one and then I got my personal one and like you know seeing the Raptors just get like you feel bad because it's a game seven like people give Pascal Pascal like a rough time and I'm like okay there's a part of me that I'm gonna tweet this out and be like geez Pascal didn't have a good game like this why are we paying this and then like it's just for the moment of you're mad. But like, then yes. you feel bad because if they see it, it's almost like as if someone sent it to you. How would you feel? Like if someone said, if I had a bad show and someone's like, worst podcast ever. And you're like, mm-hmm. wow, like that kind of hurt. And even if they deleted it, it still doesn't change the fact that you've seen it. You see that they said it. And it's- well, Look at Derek Fisher last night. Derek yeah. Fisher had the worst game in right field you can imagine. It was awful. Yeah. I think he would admit it was awful. I think it's okay to say awful performance by Derek Fisher. That's yeah. cool, but it's when people attack the person that I don't yeah. like. Pascal Siakam had a bad playoffs. Yeah. He had a horrible game seven. Pascal, that's fine. Don't attack the person. Yeah. Because he, Pascal knows he had a bad game seven. Yeah. Derek Fisher knows he was tough, had a bad time in the outfield. But when people attack the person, that's when it's just like, come on, man. Well, th- this is how, and I'm no psychology major, but it's like I know when you're in the argument – and I know it gets tough with people, especially in a world of social media, but like if you're going back and forth with someone on Twitter and the argument is hockey or a player and it stays within the argument, the moment you know you have them or they have nothing is the moment they send you a tweet of like, well, your podcast is like 30 listeners, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, so you have nothing. So now you're coming at me to right. get me riled right. up. And it's like, I'm well, not playing the game. Yeah, well, Twitter and social media and all that, right? It's right or wrong. We don't live in a right or wrong world. Democracy has worked for as long as it has because the guy that sees this way, guys that see this way, have combined to go, okay, let's go this way. My dad used to be in politics, and he always said, you know, I I love my province, but I think we should do it this way. The other guy loves your province, but he thinks you should do it this way. The thing we have to remember is we both love our province of our country, so let's find a way together. Yeah, but now it's just you're this or you're that. It's my way or the highway. It's and it's and I don't know if I think you've probably noticed, Brian. I've noticed it's not working out very well. Like, yeah, going out of that way. It's so. it's just it's so it's so funny to me in a, in a sense because you know with the anniversary of nine eleven, like I I was here the other day and I was like there are actual people born like now that like do TikToks do all this because that's their generation, but they've never don't know anything like not i'm not saying that they don't know anything about 9-11 but they probably weren't born or probably only two or three but like they'll be voting in the u.s election for the yeah. first time kids who yeah. were born after 9-11 so we got to put it in perspective how long ago that is for some people yeah. but how close it is for others but like when i was looking at so they have like the documentaries on and i'm looking at it and you know i think i've sent out a tweet on it on my toba tonight i've, I've made a picture um you know, like, cause I, I love late night television, but I remember John Stewart pretty much in tears on his show. He looked terrified doing a, yeah. a monologue. And he even said, 
everyone was waiting for Letterman because Letterman personified. I, re I remember waiting for Letterman. Yeah. I, rem I remember that. Yeah. And he held it together. Like, I'm not a big Letterman fan, but again, I kind of side with it because I'm a Conan guy and Conan is a Letterman kind of fan. I am. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Conan and Letterman. <laughs> and Conan and Letterman, yeah. Yeah. So, so, like, when they, when he came out, he held it together, but, like, I'm thinking about it and, you know, you're seeing cops uh, like firefighters go all in and it just as much as you're seeing America in distress they were all coming together but now right. today when you look at it you're like oh my god you show a video of that and people are like I don't see any Black Lives Matters going in the building I'm like what are you doing like this is completely different period and this is what they're like this is what they sacrificed their life for I'm not trying to get into a debate with it. It's just that there are people that just want to rip it apart no matter what. Well, we live in a world now where the president of the United States doesn't think there's climate change. Um, <laughs> we live in a world now where science doesn't matter and where what you see in front of you doesn't matter. It's, yes. it's weird, weird, weird times. And I know where I stand on it. And uh, that's another thing about uh, social media and that it's like do I really want to tweet about this and I stay off I try to stay off it on the weekends um, it's just not good for you to see all this stuff and even if you try to avoid a certain someone who might be the president of the United States come yeah. across your timeline yeah. he's still going to come across your timeline because somebody's yeah. going to talk about him yeah it's just uh, yeah it's it's just like I, I try now with my my Twitter like you know I it used to be as soon as something happened, instant reaction. And that's, I think the curse yeah. of it is that you have it, it at is. your, you have it at your fingertips. So now it's well, it's like email, right? We learned yeah. on email, not the email right away. So now you should learn not to tweet right away. Yeah. So it's like you take your time, but I find now with knowing from being in the media field now for, you know, I graduated with a communications degree, but knowing just doing the podcast, learning on the fly, which I think is, interesting perspective to learn like when you do internships this is kind of my mm -hmm. way of learning things but like yeah. you know when you read people get these hate emails you're like okay like that sucks for them like how can i maybe you know maybe i'm the one two years ago that could have sent them a bad message i'm like okay let's try to right or wrong here so i think with uh caroline now watching her when they were doing the bubble kind of in toronto like i don't see the mean tweets obviously she's not retweeting a mean tweet but i i was like oh it's like, I've got Ken on my podcast. How's a way that I can kind of, you know, be a Newfoundland comedian, but at the same time, like kind of rub them both in a way of like somewhat humor. So I, I think I tweeted out and I think you liked it was like, you know, sorry, Ken, but like, I really love Chloe or I love Caroline, blah, blah, blah. And I was just still like, she, she, always, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I understand. And I hey, was like, it's like people, I'll, I'll be golfing with people, right? Randomly golfing. And, uh, you know, you're going around and people say, you know, what do you do for a living? Oh, I work at Sportsnet. Okay, what do you do there? I go, do you ever watch Sportsnet Central with Ivanka? Oh, yeah, I watch Ivanka all the time. I'm like, I'm the guy beside her. <laughs> so, I, you know, I get it. Um, yeah, I saw a good sign today outside of a bookstore. When the options are being mean or being kind, choose kind. And I think yeah. the world needs to start choosing kind a little bit. It's just, I, but this is like the dynamic where I, where I kind of get it. Because like, if you're always kind to people, and I know yeah. Conan kind of said, like, you know, if you work hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen, which is probably true. It's just like kindness doesn't get immediate reaction. Like you it can come doesn't. In, well, you smiles can, do. Smiles are yes. contagious. But if you can come into work every day, Ken, and if I was like an intern here and I was like, Ken, nice suit, great outfit, love your shoes, blah, blah. You're just like, thanks, thanks. And the very day I come in and go, Ken, what the fuck was with the haircut? 
And then you're just still like, <laughs> why, why is that intern tripping me? Like, I want him gone. Yeah. And I'm like, but yeah. there's 80 other times I commented on you, but this- I don't have that power, pen. by the way, to get rid of intern. <laughs> Oh, well, that, powerful. that's too bad. My pen flip. Yeah. There's my pen I'm not, flip. Yeah, there your pen flip. Yeah. No, I'm not that powerful. But yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in just be nice to people. I'm a good yeah. mother of God. But that's a East Coast thing maybe for us. Like, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be in golf tournaments up here. I'll get paired up with people at a best ball or something. And, hey, what's going on? They're like, nothing. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. what? I'm not, I'm not yeah. out to hurt you. Yeah. Like, they just don't get it the way we get it, right? Yeah. Like, we're we, just, we, like, when I went to... to to, to Newfoundland for Scotiabank Hockey Day yeah. in Canada, in Cornerbrook. It was awesome, man. I was like in heaven. These are my people, right? Just, yeah. it's awesome, man. I And I go to St. John's for Heart and Stroke every year. I end up in Terry Ryan's basement with his old man. And it's a blast. I, I just love being, I love talking. I'm sure you're the same way. We're here. Yeah. Um, I love being social. I love putting the phone down, having a conversation. And I just, just try to be nice and try to listen, I guess. It's funny because when you when you were talking about just like that's very I think it is very East Coast because, um, and and this is goes to show you two different dynamics because when I was at I went to Munn for I think two years and then Carlton for three but yeah two different dynamics and I, I find totally. it funny, I find it funny because the exact same situation happened in both and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you were saying is uh, I had a person in my class didn't know me but I knew I overheard them say oh man we got this paper due. And I was like, oh, I'm about to head in to pass mine in. Um, like, I've got like an hour off. You clearly look like you've got something to do. Do you want me to hand in your paper for you? And they yeah. just not even hesitate. Don't know my name. Just heard that yeah. I was in the class. Here yeah. you go. 3,000 yeah. students. They're going to trust me. But yeah. we go into Carleton. You're in a class sure. of 20 odd people. Guy that I know for about like three or four months because we chatted every day. I was like, Jay, I'm going and handing my paper. You got another class. Do you want me to hand? Why do you want my paper for? I'm like, dude, mine is right here. I'm not copying it. Hand it to yeah. me. He's like, yeah. no, that, that's okay. I'll like take the 10% late mark. I'm like, why are you, what's going on up here? What's going on up I here? I was walking up the street today and this poor lady's walking. She has her baby in a cradle in one arm. She's on the phone. She's got her car keys and she's trying to do something. And I said, excuse me, can I help you? No. Like yeah. she was in shock. I don't blame her for being in shock. If some yeah. strange dude asked to help me oh, yeah. in Toronto, I might be the same. But if that was home, oh God, thank you. And I get, I get it. We're in a yeah. big city. I get it. But it's just, it's different. And it's, it's like uh, the, uh, it's like the example of the "How I Met Your Mother" like Marshall Erickson effect, where they kind of call him out in episodes. Like you don't live in Little Minnesota anymore. Like you can't do this in New York. And I'm just like, yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, you can. Yeah. I try to. I really try to. Yeah. But it's it's funny the reactions you get. Like people are just kind of taken aback. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's just they don't get it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because that's how I roll. So if you don't like me saying hi to you and how are you yeah. and whatever, not my problem, yeah. you know? Now, see, you were talking about, you were talking about the accent. I can see the accent there when you said you, but it's the same way as when I'm on the phone and someone will say, for the first whole year doing a podcast, this is hilarious. It's called Tobin Tonight. But when it comes off, I used to say Tobin Tonight. And they're like, like where's the two tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tobin tonight, and yeah. they're like, yeah. "What are you doing?" Yeah. Uh, the last thing here to get it finished off, Ken, is we usually play a little bit of game with whoever we have on as a guest. Um, I like games. It's, That's good. It's, it's a game of called How Canadian. So okay, um, we've played it with like Splash and Boots, Sarah Nurse. I, I love Sarah I only, Nurse. Yeah, 
I love Sarah yeah, Nurse. And I'll splash and boots because yeah. of my kid. <laughs> Sarah Nurse gave the good example of it's basically giving a very Canadian story, and hers was um, I slashed a U.S. hockey player and then apologized to the ref. How Canadian! That's very Canadian. <laughs> it is yeah. very Canadian. Yeah. So. In keeping all this in mind and being an East Coaster, you have to have a very good How Canadian story. Or maybe East. even How East, or you could even go How Atlantic Canadian. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me think. I'm trying to think if I've ever. Jeez. Let me think. Uh, oh, I, I guess How East Coast would be when Ivanka and her husband came to. Uh, Pick the lobster carnival, right? Okay, this is how East Coast. Ivanka and her husband came to pick the lobster carnival. Well, now I got one. And so we go visit my buddy, Charlie Landry. Uh, he's my buddy Scott's father. So Charlie's 75, 80 years old. So, we, so we're walking up the road. I say, we'll cut through this yard. And we'll go to Charlie's. No, you can't cut through the yard. I go, yeah, it's my buddy Craig somewhere, but we'll cut through the yard. So we go down, we see Charlie. We have a couple of beers. Charlie's loving it. So then to go back to the road, we cut through Craig's yard again. And I'm like, geez, I could use another beer. And Ivanka's like, me too. I'm like, well, let's get a couple from Craig's here. She's like, what? So I just walk in his pool house, take a couple of beer. She's like, you can't do that. I'm like, it's my buddy Craig. It's not a problem. Yeah. And then someone yells out, is that you, Kenny, down to Craig's? I'm like, yeah, it is. They're like, how's it going? I'm like, just stop getting a couple of beer. And so then the next day we go to Craig's house and Ivanka's like, did you know Kenny took beer from your house, Craig? He's like, that's what it's there for. So there you go. How Atlantic Canadian. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like. And that. I put enough beer in Craig's fridge; he doesn't have to worry about it anyway. Plus, he's a rich lawyer. Yeah, fair, but, fair enough. You know, okay. How Atlantic Canadian we would be uh, going in Picto to walk downtown and not using the street, just cut through yards the whole way down. You know, that's pretty Canadian, I guess. I don't know if that's the best How Canadian How Atlantic Canadian story. No, no, so it, it, it's. I like your two stories because I'm going to tie them in. If a lot of the ones that people give me right off the hop, and I like that yours was different because it's, again, Atlantic Canadian. Uh, yes. But people will give you the example of when you go into a Tim Hortons or a Walmart and someone opens the door and then they force the other person to kind of run because it's like, yeah. you held it too long. It feels yeah. like a very Canadian rule where it's like, he's five meters away. What are you doing? That's right. That's right. That's right. And they have to sprint to get the door. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like the apologetic. I'm so sorry. It's like, no, 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 it's okay. I was on my way anyway. It's like, but you made yeah. me run, but I had to, like, I, I'm glad you gave me that jog. You're like, there should be a rule in Canada where it's like, yo, he's not five meters. It's three meters. Like, they use the social distancing tape on yeah. yeah. stores now, right? If he's not within the social distancing tape, you don't hold the door. Yeah. 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 yeah that'll work. Yeah, and then it's like when you get stuck, like I, I know at Carlton on rainy days, it's like you open the door for one person and it's a whole bus people. And you're hauled like, out. And then, the and then they're, and then they're the like, door. everyone's just giving you like the, the wave or the pat. And you're like, thanks, man. And then you, you almost feel like going like, one more person says thanks, man, to me. You're holding this yeah. door because I know. Yeah, one of you guys open the door. I've always held it for 15 people. Yeah, that happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. That happens a lot. Yeah. But the so, yeah, event, I guess mine would be just stealing beer from my friends when they're not home. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's very, like, Atlantic Canadian. Like, I know at Christmas time down here, we have, like, mummering was a big thing. But... What is? Like, mummering. Uh, so, like... Mummering? Yeah, like, when... Oh, people, yeah, I've heard of mummering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard of so, like, what we have even down on this side is, like, your neighbor will just, like, knock on your door once and then walk in and be like, Maureen, are you here? It's like, Willie... I know, I love it. And, and, like, I love it. I, I did that once up away, forgetting where I was, too, and someone's like, do you knock? I was like, I, I yeah. did knock. And then I entered. And then they're like, what gives you the right to enter? I was like, oh, right, Ontario. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's just a different, it's a different world. Like the, 
you go to my mom's house, uh, uh, you know, it takes me four or five days to calm down when I go home. <laughs> people stop coming to your house? Yeah. Seriously. But then after a while, you get used to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you get used to it. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, canned milk. That's very Canadian, I think. Very, very maritime. My yeah. grandma always said canned milk, carnation. Things like Carni that. Yeah, carnation. Well, it's like yeah. milk in a bag. I've never, I, I'm one of those people that, like, on the Friends episode where, like, Joey is talking about, it's so fling and flang and tough. That's yeah. me, like a bag of milk. It's like, I'll cut it open and my brother will be like, you ruined it. I'm like, get a carton. <laughs> I've never had milk. Well, I, my relatives had it. The Reeds never have had, we've never been a milk in a bag family. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Ken Reed for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening and good night. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.